On today's episode of the Stride Forward Show, I'm welcoming Grace Lancer, who is a business and personal branding coach and has been for the past three years. Grace specializes in helping outspoken business owners and coaches and helping them find their USP, which is their unique selling proposition. Grace originally started creating on Instagram and has a following of a few thousand on that platform. But recently, she's come over to LinkedIn as well and taken the platform by storm. What sets Grace apart is she's not afraid to show up as her authentic self online. She's full of energy, fun, life, and that shows throughout her branding and her content. And she coaches other people to do the exact same thing. In our conversation, we talk about the importance of showing up online as your true self, how to differentiate yourself from your competitors, and how to create a totally unique and memorable online brand that your ideal clients basically can't resist. Thanks for listening. Let's jump right in. So this week, I have Grace. Grace, thanks for joining. I would love to hop right in and give you the chance to let my audience know a little bit about yourself and what you do. Jump straight in. Well, thank you, first of all, so much for having me. So I'm a branding strategist and coach, and I work specifically with outspoken extrovert coaches. I'm sure we'll go in a little bit to my journey um, as to why that would be my niche. But um, as you know from online, it's all about hyper-niching, helping people really, really dial down into their USP so they can really differentiate themselves from competitors, from everyone else in the online space. Um, And I'm sure we'll go into a little bit more detail on it later. But as we see, the online space is becoming increasingly more saturated and there's absolutely room for everyone But what this means is you need to hone in specifically on what makes you really unique so that you can stand out. No, I love that. And this is a really exciting episode for me because in terms of what we both do, this is far and away the closest of any of my guests have to what I do and what you do. We're both coaches. We both help people with branding and their messaging. I want to connect the dots a little bit. So I know you mentioned USP. So unique unique selling proposition for anyone that doesn't know. But let's let's define that for people that may not quite be at that level yet. So unique selling proposition. Can you define that and talk about how you work with your clients to identify their unique selling proposition? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So in a business sense, your USP, your unique selling proposition usually refers to your services. And that's absolutely what I work on with my clients. But I actually break it down into two different areas, because I really believe you have the USP of your services. So what should make somebody choose your services over and above somebody who offers exactly the same as you or very similar, but also the USP of yourself, because ultimately, personal branding, authenticity, it's so important to actually be yourself and show up in the way that you want to be perceived to your audience. So leading with personality, leading with values and knowing all of that and then not being afraid to like really show off the the real you. So that's how I define it in two ways. So with the personal USP, as I said, for me, that's all about really getting clear on, first of all, what is your brand story? What is it that makes you relate to the people that you're trying to attract to your business? And then also with that, you know, your tone of voice. So making sure that your tone of voice is very recognizable, that ultimately the goal is that when people read your content online, you want them to know it's you without even seeing that it's you. So this is another thing that really defines your identity. And then also looking at what are your values? What motivates you? What drives you? What are your core personality strengths and qualities? So that's what I look at with my clients from the personal side of it. And then from the the services side of looking at your USP, as you know, I bang on about this all of the time. It is that the the phrase hyper-niching. So looking at like, what's your what's your niche, and then taking it a step deeper. Because when you keep a really broad niche, you're competing with all of your other bigger name competitors out there. And ultimately, when people are investing a lot of money into you, they don't want a risky option. And if it's you against a bigger name competitor, they're going to go with the less risky option, which is your competitor. So it's about really really deepening your niche so that it stands out in a more specific and targeted way to the people that you're trying to attract. So it's rather than looking at the overarching struggles and goals and pain points, we go a step, maybe even two steps deeper to really micro niche by looking at micro struggles and micro goals. 
Yeah, I love that. You've obviously said that several times, Grace. Like, it's perfect. No, but I want to underline two things that I like to highlight a lot and what I think many people miss. And you probably see this a lot too. A lot of people, when they start to niche down, they, they focus on the surface level of what they do, who they help, and like the industry or just a specific type of person. And that's all great. You have to do that. But it extends beyond that. So on two things. So number one is the values that you're putting into the world and what you express. You have to, to attract the right people, you have to let your values be known. And this is where so many creators or small business owners get stuck is because they're afraid of any controversy that might arise from putting out their values. They're afraid of any flashback. I'm like, no, you want that because that generates excitement about you. And every person that like might dislike or send some hate your way, there's 10 other people that are like, hell yeah, I'm doing that. Like, that's perfect. And they, they connect with you. Um, and the other thing on top of values is the emotions. I wrote a post about this recently on LinkedIn. It's like, it's not just, um, you know, picking a niche, who you help, whatever. It's about what emotions are you, are you putting into the world and what do people feel when they read your content? So for me, for example, that's inspiration, that's encouragement, that's excitement about your future and the possibilities you can build. And a lot of yours is that too, but also you're putting out fun and energy and people are so attracted to that. So like, that's why I connected with your content is because you're putting out that fun energy, you're bold, you're loud, and that's not something to look down upon. That's something to be celebrated. So I think that's, it's really exciting. And that's what I love about your content. And I think that's why your audience is growing so fast. I mean, do you feel like that's the number one reason? It's just like, you're showing up, you're exciting, you're using bold colors. Like, do you feel that that's the number one reason that you're, you're being so successful right now? Well, first of all, thank you very much. And I really enjoy creating content for my, for my community, but it's really, so for me, it's about, and I know that we wanted to come on this podcast today to talk a little bit about like the corporate side. And, you know, I've spoken very openly about the toxic workplace that I really, um, that I was in a couple of years ago and that toxic culture that you can experience when you are somebody that doesn't fit into a box, uh, into the box of what the corporate world wants. But if you just put out this robotic educational content that a lot of people put out there, it's all information that mostly can be got off Google. Like Google is a search engine that has everything anybody wants to know about anything. And this is um, what with the content fatigue that we see a lot is people think, oh, in order to position myself as this person who knows a lot, I need to put out endless educational content. And actually it's one of the, it is a great way. And don't get me wrong. Like you need variety in your content strategy, but you need actually to show off your, your unique personality, your unique brand story, because this is what relates to the people who feel very similarly to you and have experienced something very similarly to you. But it's also about that authority boosting content, which for me is more based on pain points and goals rather than just reeling off bullet points of education. So if you are doing educational content, and this this goes back to the question that you asked me, it's also about doing it in a way that weaves in the emotion, that weaves in the stories, um, and that actually like takes the, the pain point. So you're educating them in a different way that actually hits them and connects with them on a deeper level than this surface level content that I just see everyone put out all the time. So as it kind of too long didn't read that, like it's exactly as you say, you know, if you want to connect with your audience, and really, really get them to like fly off the handle and like literally drool over your content and be ready for that next piece. It's about, for me, it's all about personality. It's about values. It's about your brand story. And it's about showing your ideal clients that you really, really understand them based on where they're at right now, which is market research, pain points, goals. Yeah. I love that. The way I describe that is you mentioned like, if it's something anyone can just Google, it's not as valuable because everyone can put that out. So now we're in the world where if it's something you can just chat GPT and it can robotically give back to you, that content isn't as valuable because everybody can do that. And so Mm -hmm. there's two things, obviously the personality like you mentioned, and then there's just personal experience, right? Nothing is better than a story from your life that only you could tell. So, but let's backtrack. I want to know, I want to know how, you kind of got to where you are now. My understanding is you've been in business for about three years. Is that accurate? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So 
and you mentioned the toxic workforce or toxic work culture. So let's open up to that a little bit if you're okay with it. What kind of experiences did you go through that motivated you and encouraged yourself to, to branch out on your own and, and go embrace entrepreneurship? It's a great question. And whenever people ask me this question, I say, let me take you back to a time that was now about eight years ago. And people probably sit there like, oh my goodness, how, how long is this going to be? So I just say, let me tell it concisely. <laughs> Go all the back. Let's do it. <laughs> so I graduated uni in 2013. And after uni, I worked for six months and then I went traveling for nine months in 2014. Now I have always been driven by freedom and adventure and I'm a very independent person. And that was something I really wanted to do after uni. So having the time of my life over these nine months, I came back and I, I recognized I needed a job and to work, but I was like, I really want to do something where I can travel the world and earn money at the same time. But I was 24 back then and I, I didn't know what that was. I think a lot of people are, op are being opened up to the online world now and seeing the opportunities. But eight years ago, I, I thought, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to have a business, you have to like have a product or you have to know people or you have to be in the right place at the right time. So I kind of gave up on that idea for the moment. And I, I at the time, so this company, the Toxic Workplace that I was at for four years, when I actually got a job with them, I was really, really happy. I loved this company. I was so happy to be hired by them. I had no job experience and they hired me purely for my personality and because I was a really great culture fit. So for the first two years, you see, I'm speeding up this story now. I'm, I'm going ahead, two years, two years. So for the first two years, it was great. I, I was really celebrated. Everybody loved me. And I really felt accepted at this company. And then after two years, it's a private equity backed company. And after two years, we moved offices. And all of a sudden, it was like, well, not that startup feel anymore. You know, we've got we've got goals to hit, we need to get this that hit our goals so that we get this financial backing in two years time. And so with that came this red tape, and it wasn't this startup feel. And it was like, things have to go through management now. And I just started hearing a lot in those last two years, like, you need to think about the way that you're being perceived by people in the office. It was the words that our head of department used all the time, perception, perceive, perceive, perceive. You need to think about the way you're being perceived by other members of the team, by higher management. And the thing is, as somebody who I've always celebrated my personality, and it's been like one of the, the biggest and best things that everyone else has loved about me, to essentially then be told like, we want you to be yourself until you are yourself. Then we're going to tell you off for being yourself. And it felt like I genuinely like felt very trapped. And it every day, like I came into the office and it got worse and my mental health suffered because of it, because I felt like I was constantly treading on eggshells. And I had so many meetings with like my line manager, with our head of department, like an, an offsite meeting once with HR, because it just got to a point where we were clashing so much and it wasn't because I was overly disruptive, but it's because I was being told you can't do that. And I hated being told that when it was like everyone else in the team loves me, loves my personality, loves the energy I bring to the team. And it's only you as management that has a problem with it. And on top of all this, like I was one of the best performing people in the department. And that was the only thing that saved me that they couldn't tell me off for is my clients absolutely loved me and I got like all the best results and I upsold the most and I retained the most so from a business perspective they didn't really have a leg to stand on um and so it, it just made it very difficult and over time because of all these meetings and constantly being told this message like you need to think about the things that you're saying in meetings and the way that you're saying things and the way that other newer people in the team are going to be picking up on this it just wore me down to a point where for the last year, it was especially bad. And then just before I handed in my notice in November, 2019, I had a really, really like some awful meetings with managers where I was just like in pieces. And I was like, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Um, and so, yeah, and then that took us to November, 2019. So that was my, <laughs> I said, I'd try and explain it concisely. Um, but before that, a year before, I had a serendipitous meeting with my cousin and I was telling her all about everything I wanted in a, in a job and a career and starting my own business. And she just said, like, have you ever considered coaching? You'd be really good at it. So then I just said, 
I said no and I researched it and I was like felt like a million weights have been lifted from my shoulders you know and I was like this is exactly what I've been looking for this is exactly what I want to do so July 2019 enrolled into a life coaching certification program handed in my notice in May um, sorry November 2019 launched my business officially in May 2020 and uh, here we are today launching in COVID that's that's potentially stressful I was gonna ask like as you wrapped up and you kind of mentioned it what did that transition look like so you started the life coaching in July of 2019 the program and then you handed in your notice in November so was that entire so that was the length of the program or did you have to kind of finish it up build landing pages or whatever what did that transition look like it's a really good question because unlike what the traditional route that a lot of people do, I quit my job before I even launched my coaching business, as as I just said through the through the dates. And it was because I couldn't bear to be there anymore. Um, to that it was just affecting me in such a way that not just in the workplace and it wasn't actually affecting the work that I was doing for the clients but I just hated it I really really hated it and at the time I didn't know that Covid was about to come um and then what was quite lucky is when March hit and we all went into lockdown I actually moved back to my parents house for about four or five months so I basically had no expenses for five months which was great (laughs) and it gave me a really solid opportunity to just focus literally seven days a week on building my business and yeah so so that was the 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 transition is a lot I would never condone um you know (laughs) I would never encourage anybody to jump you know go all in Uh, funnily enough I was writing a marketing post on this just earlier today about how sometimes like my marketing in the past was like a little bit reckless telling other people that they should just go all in that was at the beginning don't listen to that message don't don't do that um you know if you want the security and you have bills to pay and rent to pay and you have other like financial obligations don't do that um I was just in a position where I needed to get out luckily I did have savings to fall back on and then COVID came and I I moved home and, and didn't have any expenses for the best part of four or five months yeah, it's always funny to me that everyone that's quit without the plan, even though they've made it work, they still tell everyone, don't do that. <laughs> so I've actually quit three jobs in my life with nothing lined up because I was in a similar place as you, like mental health wise, just so unhappy, depressed, anxious, hated waking up every day. And when you have that, that drains all of your energy and basically ruins your whole life. It bleeds into everything. And so I say, never quit without something lined up unless it's so detrimental that it's just killing your vibe day after day after day. But I publicly, when I write content or share insights on how to leave your nine to five, if you want to, you know, here's how you can do it. Here's step one, step two, step three, step four. But not you don't necessarily have to leave your nine to five even if you don't want to do that does it that doesn't mean you can't have your own business start a side hustle build your brand because you never know what's going to happen right like even if you loved your job you'd probably still go out there and at some point show your personality build your brand because you never know where those opportunities can lead you to and so that's another thing i like to to really stress to to my audience is just because you hate your job that doesn't mean it's time to then build your brand and business. Build your brand and business now in case you hate your job one day. <laughs> Is that kind of the same thing you tell people as well? Absolutely. And I'm not sure if you if you follow him, but a big name on LinkedIn, Justin Welsh, you know, he's a massive advocate for this. Like every other post that he puts up is like, start building your side hustle now, you know, otherwise you're going to be stuck in a job where your income's capped, where you're trading time for money, where you've got limited time off. Like that's such a big part of his messaging that he also like hammers home all the time. And it's so true, you know, again, like yesterday I was creating a post for my LinkedIn that'll come out at some point in the next few weeks where of course you can only look at the situation that you're in at the time, but across our department, we were really underpaid according to industry standards. And we were fighting tooth and nail to try and get a pay rise. And the pay rise was like equivalent to about 200 pounds a month, so like $300 a month, you know, 
and it's so minimal but when you're a nine-to-five worker you're like you know you're not going to turn your nose up at any like a small amount you know great 200 pound in my pocket is still better than nothing but then you start your online business you know your own business and you get to decide the the rates that you charge your clients and I'm like to look back now I'm like it is so laughable that we fought tooth and nail to like get a 200 pound pay rise you know where like start your own business you charge your own rates and especially in the niche that I'm in, like helping coaches, like you can charge four figures for one client. Like it's just laughable. But when you're in a nine to five, you're in that, you're in that mentality of like directly exchanging time for money, having only like, what is it? Like a 5% increase every year on your salary. And you just accept that that's life and that's the case. And a lot of people, you know, some conversations I've been having recently, people say that it's job security to be in a job. But at any moment, you could also lose that job and lose that security. You have to consider that. Yeah, it's not as safe as anyone thinks. And I think the last two or three years especially have woken people up to that. And again, I'll reiterate and underline, there's nothing wrong with enjoying your nine to five. If you have a career you love, that's great. I'm happy for you. I root for that. But that doesn't mean it can't be taken away from you tomorrow. And if you were in a car crash and died tomorrow, they'd replace you the day after that. (laughs) So just think about that when it comes time to start building your brand and thinking about a side hustle. So how has your business changed since May of 2020? Because you mentioned the life coaching certificate, which is a little bit different than what you're doing now. So how has your business changed over the past two, three years? Yeah, also a very good question. So I came into it and even though I I actually joined a group coaching program helping like new coaches to start and launch their online business, which turned out to be um, the biggest waste of money ever that didn't really help me with anything tangible. And and basically the ethos was like, just plug money into ads and we have an ad manager who's going to help you set up. But there was none of this do market research first, massive organic marketing. I'll I'll park that story, but I... I, uh, wasted about a thousand pounds about in total with like the tech that they told us to buy and the ad spend and anyway so yeah when I started out I didn't really have a lot of direction and I started out doing sort of mindset and confidence coaching for newer entrepreneurs even though I was a new a business owner myself but as people say you know sometimes you only need to be a step or two ahead of your ideal client so I was like cool like I can do this and then when you start of course you're wearing all the hats you're a solopreneur and you're you know you're creating your content you're having conversations you're generating leads you're closing sales like big companies have people for all these different things whereas you know you start as a solo entrepreneur and you have to do everything yourself you're wearing all of the hats yourself so over time and I've always been a creative person like I've just really loved creating content and so all of a sudden people would come to me and they're like your content really speaks to me like I want you to teach me how to do the same So I was like, hmm, this is good because I really enjoy doing like creating content and it's also being recognized by people that I'm good at it. So I kind of switched my niche to be more business coaching, which is also like quite cringe when I think about it now, because how on earth can you be a business coach when you've been in business for a couple of months? Like you literally have no experience to tell anyone how to run a business. But anyway, uh, that's fine. But I, I became like a business coach with, um, with a with a kind of side of like content strategy work so I specifically told people like my focus was on helping you create content that connected with your ideal client so I did that for a good couple of years and I think from uh from about the the middle of 2021 for a year to the middle of 2022 only eight months ago I felt very lost in my business and I felt like my voice was really being drowned drowned out by a lot of bigger name competitors in the business coaching space and that was really hard for me because I'm a very um, I'm a very unique individual and just generally in life, like I do have a strong voice and a strong presence and I do, um, you know, and I, and I like to shine that. So being in a position where like that wasn't being recognized and I felt like I was drowning was really hard. And I came over to LinkedIn about a year ago because I built my business predominantly on Instagram. And I was introduced to this whole like personal branding. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this is what I should have done two years ago. Why have I not done done this? And it was just this like kind of epiphany moment where I'm like, people are making money from this. And this is what I'm good at. And it's the way that like I show up. So that was about in August of last year. So uh, what we are now, six months ago or something now. 
And then it was just now about hyper niching because I told you, you know, this is this is where the money is. Hyper niching the, the, the aspect of personal branding that I really identified with and that people recognized I could help them with. So in summary, that is that that is how I have um, yeah pivoted my business, if we want to uh, say that, like where the journey, how the journey has gone. Yeah, I think I want to underline that aspect is that even successful creators and entrepreneurs that you've seen, they've pivoted multiple times, even in short timeframes. It's not like you ever have to stick to one thing forever. Just pick something. If it works, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. You can try something else. You're not, no one's going to care or quit. Your audience doesn't just leave if you build it the right way, which is through your personality and through unique content. So did you start creating content at the very beginning of your business launch or did that come after? How are you getting clients at first? Yeah, so I started on Instagram. So I started an Instagram account, said I, I launched my business in May of 2020. And I think I started my Instagram account something around February or March of 2020. So a couple of months in advance, I wasn't posting like religiously five times a week, but I think I was putting out like, you know, like two or three pieces of content a week. It didn't really have a strategy back then, but sometimes I look back to some of it and I'm like, actually, like it wasn't that bad, <laughs> you know. Like you think it's like, <laughs> sometimes you have a little bit going on for you, right yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so so I was posting on social media and I also started a Facebook group because I mean, goodness, does, does anyone use Facebook for business? There, I'm sure there are people out there who do, but I do not like Facebook um so I did that for the first six months as well starting a Facebook group okay you're on board with it as well I mean you know um if people want to use Facebook it's great there are a lot of groups for businesses people will see value in it for sure but I didn't like it I I honestly felt like I was diving into a sea of sharks every time I went into one of those Facebook groups I hate Facebook and that's all I'll comment so yeah (laughs) no it was um yeah it is definitely difficult on there it was it was all about sales and not about relationship building. And that didn't sit well with me, but yeah, so I was publishing content from the beginning and it took me three months after launching my business on the 1st of May. It took me three months. I signed my first client on the 31st of July. So literally, yeah, that's three months. Yeah. It took me three months to sign my first client for a, for a low amount for three months of coaching. And that was just relationship building, networking. And yeah, my, my content that was, was all right probably wasn't that targeted to my ideal client but that was it and it's just grown since that from there that's awesome um i imagine your offer has changed even more frequently than the business itself so talk to me about some of like your new service offerings or product offerings and kind of what you've learned about both pre-selling them launching them and then delivering that service so how often has your offer changed this is a really interesting question. I'm actually really glad that you brought it up because I was literally discussing this a couple of days ago with Richard, my one-to-one coach. And I just said, the services that I offer now, for the most part, it, it is no different to the services I was offering two years ago. The only difference is the way I was marketing it. And this is the message that we tell everyone, right? And it's it, it, And this is why it's like so profound for me is that, you can have the best services in the world and be really good at what you do, but if you don't market it in the right way, you will struggle. And that's exactly what it was. Um, again, when I reflect, the reason why I believe I struggled, even though my services were the same, is because I was putting out that broad, vague niche that we we discussed, um, you know, about, about how when you do that, you're competing with so many more people. And when you're in the realm of like business coaching, People are going to trust the people who are out there flaunting their really high incumbents and the fact that, you know, they're making a lot of money. And I couldn't compete with that. And that's why I think people didn't trust me as a business coach, because it's like she needs to show that she's making money and we never see that message. So, um, you know, so so that was difficult. So essentially, my core service, my one to one hasn't really changed much. It is just that I now market it in a different way that is so targeted and specific to my ideal client and what they want and what resonates with them. I have added some bits in now where I 
um, help my clients a little bit more with the storytelling, with establishing their brand story, their purpose, mission and values. That wasn't really something that I did in the past. So I've just kind of padded out the offering because all of this is, of course, you know, helping them really define their USP. It's not just, as we said, the services, but the personal USP is, as I said, what's their brand story? What's their purpose? What are their purpose, mission and values? Like that's going to make people like really connect with them on a on a deeper level. And then on top of that, I've just had like a couple of group coaching programs here and there just created based on what my audience needs help with most at the time. But yeah, that's that's for the core services. Yeah, I love the focus on like individual services or one to one coaching. And then on top of that, having like group stuff as well, because in the past, I've always done one to one coaching or consulting. And so even following my own energy, number one, I want to like impact more people, but also I truly believe in the power of community. And so I think part of what I love is just like bringing new people together, even in real life. If I go to a party, like I know this person, I know that person, I want to introduce them and see if they get along. Like that's what's fun to me. And so I've actually pivoted my own thing to eventually do a more community centric coaching program. But I totally love that you point out, like when you when you talk about business coaching, if you don't show people how much money you make, people like get turned off, like, oh, how can they help me? But there's business coaching of all kinds is what I typically say. And so just because someone isn't teaching you how to run paid ads or scale and hire so many employees or raise capital, that's one type of business coaching. But another type of business coaching is what I say is like unlocking the life that you actually want. What's the income barrier you need to hit to then have the lifestyle that you desire. That's what you need. You don't have to go beyond that. You mentioned Justin Welsh earlier. That's something he talks about all the time too. He's like, I could scale more. I could run paid ads. I could do marketing, but I make plenty of money and I get to do what I want on my own terms. So that's what matters to me. <laughs> and so I think when I kind of want to actually shatter the perception of business coaching in that sense, like I want to get rid of that. Oh, if they're not like flaunting their Lamborghini on Instagram, they're not a good business coach, but that's, to me, that's not what business coaching is. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree with you, but I think it's just that we get sucked into feeling like it. if we were to invest in a business coach, we would want to see that someone can make money. And I, I totally understand the twisted logic because also it depends on the kind of coaching that you offer because some people just do like strategic coaching where it's more mentorship and in fact even though I'm a trained coach and I learn coaching in the pure coaching way which is asking questions and not giving any advice or guidance but empowering people with deep questions to come to their own conclusions I don't like this way of coaching in my own clients like they hire me to be the strategic mind to basically tell them like this is what you need to do if you want to like achieve x y and z so uh, that's why i think as well like yeah of course it can be helpful that you've run your own business that you've start you know that that you do have all of this like a uh, business success but also we know that someone who's at the beginning of their journey and wants to hire a business coach they're not going to hire the seven figure coach because they're so far away from them in their journey that they just won't be able to relate to them on any level so that's why we talk a lot about you only need to be a step or a few steps ahead of your ideal client because they're the people that like you relate to most and they relate to most because you're closer in their journey and they go I, I don't want six figures yet, but like, for example, I want to be featured on podcasts and I'm not doing that yet. And she is. So she, I know that she can help me do the same thing. Like that's what people want. Yeah, that's all it takes. Like, don't overthink it. I think people think they have to have it all figured out when they start. I love your story because it's a shiny example that you don't. I mean, not to say like, your business was bad back in 2019 or when you launched 2020. It's just, you grow so much so fast. And you don't have to have it all figured out then. You just learn as you go. And then sooner rather than later, you do unlock what you wanted. It's not as daunting or as difficult as people think it is. It's just simply not. Just start connecting with like-minded people. Figure it out along the way. Do step one, step two, step three. Don't try to skip to step 10 before you take step one. That's all there really is to it. No, I was going to say, and I am going to shout out our services here for this exact reason is that too much of the time people do look at that big overwhelming goal and go oh my goodness I have no idea how to do that and of course you don't because that big overwhelming goal is something you want in six months time of course like that's going to overwhelm you because you need to do six months of work before you get there 
And the issue is that when you don't have a coach, a strategic mind, someone to help you break down that big overwhelming goal into small manageable steps, you end up not taking any action. You procrastinate. This sends you into a spiral of self-doubt. And, 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 you know, that's when these thoughts come in, like, I don't really have what it takes to make this work. And it's all because you just don't have your clarity on how you're actually going to hit your goals. Yeah, so much of coaching is just giving people confidence and that confidence can come just from that clarity. And that's that's like half of it. <laughs> and what people don't realize is they think you're hiring a coach and they're just gonna break down every little thing for how you can profit this, profit that, profit this. But it's really not about that. Coaches are encouragers and accountability partners. So we give you this little step, we give you a little nugget and then you take the step and then you realize like, wow, I can do that. Like I can do this next step. And so it just cascades from there. And then eventually we let you go and you don't need us anymore. Like that's actually the ultimate goal. <laughs> and so let's talk a little bit about how your business has unlocked your ideal lifestyle. I know and my audience may not that, you know, you've lived abroad some, you went to the tropical, what was it? The city you moved to again? Tell me. Ta uh, last year, Tel Aviv. Yeah. So how has just like your day-to-day -day life changed from moving from the work culture to entrepreneurship? You're doing the nomad thing. Like what has been the best benefits on a day-to-day -day level, including the nomad lifestyle? Absolutely. So first of all, as I said, you know, from my travels years ago, like freedom, adventure, these are such core values for me and independence as well. Like independence is really a core value for me. And so having that flexibility to run my day exactly as I want to, to work from wherever I want to. And as I said, for, for, for me, I have a bit of an issue with, um, what's it called? Uh, hierarchy, you know, like in the workplace, like I just, I didn't enjoy being managed and being told what to do by people who I came to lose respect for. So that was very difficult. And now I know some people struggle without a manager, but actually, I love it. I, I, you know, this is actually why I hired Richard, my recent one to one coaches, because sometimes I do need a little bit of direction because I have so many like big visions. And sometimes I go, I want to do everything at once, but I can't do everything at once. So I need someone just to rein it uh, back in for me and be like, listen, great that you have all this ambition, but we need to be realistic here. So that, that for me is the biggest thing is not having a manager, literally just being my own boss. I love it. Um, being able to give yourself a pay rise whenever you want, <laughs> not having to wait for your annual like 5% inflation increase. And more than anything, just the freedom and the flexibility. Like I know I moved abroad last year, but when I'm back, like having that freedom to, do you know what? I'm going to take Friday off to like go, go back to, um, you know, take this off and see friends or family or like literally go back to my parents and work from their house for like a whole week and not have to come back to the office. Like, the flexibility and the schedule and the freedom is the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Time freedom, but location freedom is just, it can't be beat, especially mm -hmm. like going to an office every day is something I will never do again. Like that is miserable. <laughs> Sorry, but it is. I just can't do it. Um, but at least get yourself a hybrid work style is what I would say. Literally, COVID has changed a lot of that. I mean, I, I haven't been in the corporate world since COVID happened, but you know, we, we see that a lot now. It's COVID and people having to work from home has changed a lot about the working setup. And like you said, hybrids and not having to go into the office every day. But people, companies seem to be a bit more flexible with working hours as well because they had to be, you know, they had to put the trust in the people working from home. And I do think that that's a good thing to come out of COVID is seemingly people are given more trust now you know it's not a case of you need to do nine to five it's like as long as you get the work done do it whenever no yeah totally i think so many people are waking up to what can be just a better life especially just by following their interests and passions um so what has recently been some of the big insights you've had from your own coach. I think it's really interesting and enlightening for listeners that coaches hire coaches. Coaches can benefit people at every stage from all walks of life. It doesn't matter. Don't, don't be afraid to invest in yourself. So I love that you have done that recently. And so what have been some of the big insights you've already gotten from that experience? So I've been working with my, at the, t at the time of this recording, I've been working with my new one-to-one -one coach for uh, 16 days now, so just over two weeks. 
And for me, more than anything, first of all, I invested because it really felt like the right time. As I said, going on this journey of figuring out my niche, and it was just before I started working with Richard that I had this epiphany of like, oh my goodness, it's all about hyphenishing and, and the USP. And that's why everything really fell into place with being like, now is the right time because I have such clarity on what I'm offering and what is needed that now's the right time to hire him and go ahead with everything and just go for mega growth because I, I know what I'm offering now and I know that it's a needed service. So what I would say more than anything is, first of all, Richard, like helping me and telling me the things that I need to be doing and being able to identify the blind spots in my business as to how I can be earning more money, which has been really great and actually pushing me to do it um, in a way that I was like, I want to do this. But obviously having that accountability is pushing you and motivating you to actually take action. But honestly, more than anything for me, it's just about the fact, the very fact of investing in myself has has. I don't know if you saw this in my post the other day, all that BS that I used to see people say about stepping into that next level version of yourself and paying to be in someone's energy. And I saw that message all the time. And I was like, that is such BS. Like, I'm sorry, I just don't believe it. And now I'm like, okay, wait, now I believe it. Because I literally in the last two weeks, like that's how I felt is just, it's just a whole mindset shift of like, wow, I've invested this money. I want to see a return. I'm going to do everything to make it work. And so... I have found and I've noticed, but also my audience have been saying to me, the, the the way that your messaging is coming across, it is like fired up over the last week or so. And I genuinely believe that that has come from working with Richard and knowing like about my direction and, and knowing that like, I'm really about big things this year. And I want to share that with people. And I want to share that with people in a way that's like, you also might have the fear to invest in yourself. But when you do, it just delivers the biggest returns. Um, and I know that Rich is not the first time I've invested in a one-to-one -one coach. I had a one-to-one -one coach for six months, two years ago. Also saw that was only six months into my business and I invested 7K pounds. And over that six months, I returned 22K. So considering I'd only been in business six months, like for me, that was a really healthy return. And um, I just asked myself again, like look at proof from the, from the past last time you invested, look at the return you got from it. The same is going to happen. And you're in so much more of a powerful position now because you're way further ahead in your business. Um, and it's just, it's, it is the case two weeks and already massive things are happening. So yeah, I would say to anybody, like you've got, you've got to, you've got to take the chance, you know, and, and if you're a business owner for me, like it is about risk. And if you're not willing to take a risk in your business, then likely I believe you probably will fail before you succeed. And that's my honest opinion. Yeah, sometimes the biggest risk is not doing anything. So I'm gonna tell you a story that changed my life on that same topic about investing in yourself. And so it's not really a story, but I was watching, this is probably like 10 years ago now, I was watching YouTube videos, I was going down the rabbit hole, you know how you do, you click one, you click another, you, you know, you just go. I ended up on this interview with Denzel Washington, and this is 10 years ago. So he's already obviously extraordinarily famous by now, done so many awards, so many hit movies. And Denzel Washington just offhand mentioned he just got out of an acting class earlier that day. So I was thinking like, okay, this is somebody that's been acting for what, 30, 40 years. He's won every award you could possibly win. He's extraordinarily famous. He, what could Denzel Washington possibly learn about acting at this point, right? Like he's at the top creme de la creme of where he can be in his field. And he, but he still took an acting class. And he says, and the interviewer knows the same thing. The interviewer goes, wait, you were in an acting class? Why would you take an acting class? You, don't you think you're kind of beyond that? And he's like, no, even if I learned just one thing, I'm better for it. And I was like, wow. So if someone at the top of the top of Denzel Washington has that same mindset, clearly this is the mindset you need to always have. So you can always learn more. You can always get better. But it's also just no matter how good you are at something, someone else with an external lens can still provide value to you and give you that return on investment. Nothing, hiring a good coach is never an expense or investing in yourself is not an expense you get a return on that upskill yourself because it, it just like, it's never ending how much benefit you can get. And it lasts forever. These are lessons you take with you forever. And so it's always worth it, whether that's me, whether that's race, it doesn't matter what it is you're investing in. It could be in better sleep. It could be in 
a personal trainer. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're going to get a return on that. So don't be afraid to put your money into yourself. That's what I like to tell people. But Denzel Washington going to the acting class like changed my whole life. It's so weird. It was like a 30-second clip from an interview 10 years ago. And I remember that to this day. <laughs> There you go. But but it's, it's a powerful lesson, right? And what's that phrase? It's like the day you stop learning is the day you stop earning. And it's so true because even, you know, if, if we look at, and I can't name anyone off the top of my head, but the people who are really considered now, like the experts in their niche, even they don't know everything. There's always something, one more thing that they can learn. And I think that also is like a really powerful lesson here is people think, I'm sure it brings up a lot of imposter syndrome for people like that you have to be at the top of your game, but nobody knows everything. You just have to be seen as an expert by the person you want to attract to your business. It doesn't mean knowing everything. It means knowing the things that they need help with. Yeah, exactly. One to two steps ahead. That's all. That's all it takes. <laughs> Don't overthink it. The imposter syndrome is, is big, especially in the content creator space, right? Like people are like, what do I write about? I don't know enough about that. I'm like, yeah, you do. And you have a story and you have your own experience. Just put it out there. Like whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's my harsh truth on that. Um, so I'd love to know, I know we're both very fond of like relationship building, especially through content. So many people are just focused on like going viral or whatever, and they create, create, create. But at the end of the day, I believe that community and relationship building is really the key to growth and, and being someone that other people want to see succeed is crucial. So do you have any like top tier tips or any best practices that you use to like network through social media or do you like to have conversations in DMs? Like how does that, how does that work for you? Absolutely. So let's look at a couple of different options here. So um, when it comes to the comments, commenting, and we are because we're both on LinkedIn, so it can apply to any platform, but I am speaking sort of specifically about LinkedIn because we both use it and we both know how it, how it works is you want to really build those relationships with people who take the time to comment on your post because we can never take for granted that, as we said, people are scrolling through their feed. And if somebody takes the time, you know, to, to stop on your content and comment, it shows that it shows that you've had an impact on them enough to make them want to say something. But we must be grateful for that because anybody can just scroll on by and go, nah, can't be bothered, can't be bothered. Now, I do believe like what you, uh, you, you attract what you give out. So it's like, if you wait, you attract, yes, what you give out. So if you want people to engage with your own content, then I think that you need, to, not I think, you do. You need to put it out there yourself. You need to take the time to engage with other people. But um, so what you want to do is when people actually take the time to comment on your post, what I do, but this actually leads from a genuine place of curiosity. Like I would ask people all the questions in the world if I could, because I just love to learn about people. First of all, I would advise anyone to do the same, like try and come from everything, come every, everything with a, from a curious perspective, you know, think like, what do I want to know about this person? Like, what can I ask them that's going to like, give me more insight into who they are as a person, not just in a business sense, but from a personal sense as well. So when people comment on my post, I keep that conversation going, not every post every time. And it depends on the, on the context, but like someone will leave a comment. And if I believe it's, it, it's um, appropriate to like, keep on the conversation and ask them another question, then I do that. And they're out in public. It builds this relationship with people so that they're like, she actually takes the time to like get to know me. Now, if that's not your natural preference, like don't do it in a really contrived way. Like, but if you're building a business, you should want to be building relationships with people. So I would say do that. Um, something that I really have honed in on recently, and it fits to be honest with my personality and the type of people that I'm trying to attract to my business is when I'm in the DMs, I send a lot of voice notes. And this is really great because I'm like a really energetic, outspoken extrovert. And obviously, as you know, my target audience, my niche is outspoken extrovert coaches. And so I've identified as a successful strategy for me is I want to go out there and show people my energy in voice notes in the DMs. The people who love it, the people like me, are my people, and they're going to be all over it. And the people with who it's like too much are going to be like, oh, this is too much, and they'll just ignore me. Great. It means that I'm healthily disqualifying the people who are not my people. So um, so that's for me. But it doesn't. it's not about being loud. This is me and the people I'm trying to attract. But I would advise send voice notes. It gives people an insight into who you are as a person. And we know like on social media, you hide behind a picture and text and people don't get insight into your personality. Like bring your brand to life 
by sh by showing them like the tone of your voice and how you speak and how passionately you actually speak about things as well. Yeah, showing my like true self through voice or video was always something like I feared for a long time. So for me, I always hated the sound of my voice, right? That was me growing up. That was me even two, three years ago. And so that's when I started like, okay, I want to overcome this. How do I do that? So voice notes, I started sending to like friends or just occasionally just to start getting accustomed to the sound of my own voice. And so a little inside scoop, even on this podcast, like part of the reason I started this podcast was continuing to embrace that, not really fear, but just discomfort with myself, right? Because if I don't like how I speak, then it needs to improve. <laughs> and so if I don't like the sound of my voice, well, I can overcome that by constantly putting myself out there. Same thing with reels. So recently I started posting on Instagram uh, and YouTube and even TikTok occasionally. And it's like, okay, I'm going to embrace this fear of of not liking the sound of my voice head on. I'm just going to put it out there all over social media and just make videos and record audio. And so you lean into your strengths, but also as you start doing this stuff and putting yourself out there, you, you get better and better at it too. And you become more comfortable, not just doing it in terms of sales, but doing it for yourself, like growing as a person. So that's my favorite part about that. And I also I really want to highlight that you mentioned when you do that, like it's too much for some people and you're disqualifying them in a healthy way. That's really what it's all about. When you start a business or you start creating content, you don't want to attract everyone. And that's what most people don't realize. They think, oh, I want to have so many followers. I want to have so much attention on me. And like, you really don't because half the internet sucks. Okay. <laughs> First off, half the people on the internet suck. They're rude. They're mean. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other half is just like, and they're indifferent. You want to connect with like-minded people. And that's the thing, whether that's a thousand people, a hundred people, 10,000 people, it doesn't matter. If you have 10,000 people that are like you, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> and so don't worry about appealing to everyone. That leads to boring content. That leads to connecting to the wrong people. Be yourself, be authentic, not in like a, a boring, generic, be authentic. That's how you get an audience. No, like be authentic because you attract the right people. Like that's the truth. Absolutely. You know, and we talk a lot, we talk a lot in content about, oh, sorry, about attracting your ideal client. But a big part of my messaging is not just attracting your ideal client, literally work on like actively repelling your non-ideal clients as well. Not just using your content to speak to the people you do want to work with, but using your content to push away the people that you don't want to work with. This is just as important in your content as attracting the right people. Yeah, whether it's entrepreneurship or content creation, you actually have that power. Whereas, mm -hmm. so for example, when I worked in banking, so nine to five, I was a consultant, I was a corporate consulting. I didn't get to pick my clients. Like, sure, there were some outreach and sales, but if I was assigned a client, I had to work with them, whether I liked them or not. And so if mm -hmm. they're some 70 year old racist boomer and I got to deal with that, that's not really that fun. And <laughs> so, but I don't have to work with those people. I don't have to attract those kind of people through my content or through my business. And that's part of, or maybe even the biggest benefit of it all. <laughs> Literally, absolutely. So yeah, start your own business, work with the people you want to work with. <laughs> no, definitely. Grace, this has been an amazing conversation. Before we wrap it up, I know we could talk all day, but I don't want it to go too long. Before we wrap it up, let everyone know where they can find you and how you can help them. Amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. And first of all, I've absolutely loved it. I've loved this chat. It's just flowed like so um, in, very informally, which I love, um, but just really organically and naturally. And it's been really great. And um, hi, everyone. Like, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. So you can find me on my two primary social media platforms. So LinkedIn, my name is Grace Lancer. On Instagram, my handle is at Grace Lancer Coaching. Um, in terms of my services and who I help. So my services are specifically for um, outspoken extrovert coaches really helping you dial in on you, your USP so you can really stand out differentiate yourself in the market and actually command a premium fee for your services because you're drowning out all of the competition and you're elevating your own status as an expert awesome Grace thanks so much for joining this was awesome everybody else we'll see you on the next episode <laughs>